Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, all alone today. John is, uh, well, he's currently working on his brand new book, which you can find out about if you sign up for our newsletter at Tesh.com. Our guest today is Amy Grant. Yes, the Amy Grant, multi-platinum, multi-Grammy award-winning artist Amy Grant. Not our traditional kind of guest, I understand that, but Amy was kind enough to come on the show and talk about all kinds of things, including why her music and her and her life is sort of synonymous with the Christmas season at this point, the story of her music career. And also, this for me was really cool. She's going to tell us the story about uh, this amazing neurological project she's been working on that allows your brain to he- heal itself. I know I was surprised by it too, but it is amazing and you're going to want to hear all of that. Um, so yeah, sorry that we didn't uh, release a podcast last week. We were on the road. If you would like to see us live, it's very similar to the vibe of the podcast and then some, you can go to teshmusic.com and, and see where we're going to be. We're going to be all over California in the next month and then, uh, more stuff in the Southeast in February. So we're, we're always adding dates there. Be sure to check that out. But again, I apologize for us being gone last week. We tried to do it from the road, but it was just a little bit too much. And, uh, so we... We decided to take the week off. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And please enjoy my conversation with Amy Grant. Yes, the Amy Grant. Amy Grant, I mean, well, how you, how many Grammys do you have? You have six Grammys? How many platinum records? Uh, it's, uh, it is an absolute honor for you to take the time to talk with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, you are now, I mean, you're doing publicity right now because you have something very cool. And I, as a, as a self-described hipster, I am very excited about this, this idea. You obviously are, uh, a very, you're very famous for, in addition to a number of, of, of top, uh, of pop chart topping singles every year, you are a perennial favorite with your, with your Christmas albums, uh, specifically home for Christmas is probably, I'm, I'm assuming your biggest one, but now you're releasing them on vinyl. And again, as a hipster, I'm very intrigued by this idea. Why, why are you doing this on vinyl? I wish I could say it was my idea. But <laughs> um, I, I sort of stay out of all of the business end of all things music. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like it's my job to wake up in a day and be present in the moment. But when I was told by the record company that they were going to repackage um, three Christmas records and one was... It's called a Christmas album, and I put that out in 1983, and then Home for Christmas in 1992, and then um, A Christmas to Remember was 1999, and it was just, I love that, because I grew up with vinyl, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and it's so weird how life turns out, and you occasionally, like once a decade, do a project, and then in my case, probably those Christmas songs are going to be the, the longest lasting uh, creative work that I do because uh, you know, times change and there's always something new, but at Christmas people love nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Well, and it, but here's the deal it's really kind of hard. If you can get a Christmas hit, like, like you have, like Mariah Carey has, that's, that's phenomenal, but it's really hard. But most of the Christmas songs are, are from when boomers were kids. I mean, it's all, you know, it's uh, it's all the the crooners from like the fifties and sixties. Uh, how do you think yeah. you were able to break through that? Well, um, hmm, that's a good question. Any of the traditional songs that I did, especially songs like um, 
have yourself a merry little Christmas. Mm-hmm. To me, the presentation of those songs was the brainchild of an amazing arranger who has passed, and his name is Ron Huff. And when I was in college, I went. I was in. Um, I was the same age as Ron's oldest son, Dan. And Dan Huff is an amazing guitar player, producer. He's, his accolades are a mile long. But when I was in college, Ron asked me if I would do a holiday show with the Nashville Symphony. Hmm. And I did. I don't think I'd ever done a Christmas record. And then I went, well, well, that would be a great idea. And so, so, you know, presentation, delivery is everything. A great idea, poorly delivered, never gets picked up. Yeah. And I really think it was just Ron Huff took me under his wing. Um. And that 1992 record is, I believe, some of the best of his work. And it's, I mean, and it's lived on appropriately so for, for you know, what, we're going on like 25 years now, 30 years almost. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and those, um, that record was produced by Brown Bannister. But it really, you know, music is the great democracy. I mean, it takes everybody bringing mm-hmm. their best to the table. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, but I, you know, the great thing about Christmas music is it has such a short window of mm-hmm. use every year. Like even if by December 26th, you're going, Oh my gosh, right. <laughs> turn it off. <laughs> right. By, by the next Thanksgiving, everybody's kind of itching for the sentimental journey. Yeah. Yeah, there's something about this time of year where where everybody kind of leans into that uh, that nostalgia factor. I mean, I, I we see it, it kind of happens in cyclical trends in everything, right? whether it's fashion or what have you. But we really do go back as a society for about two months a year to a lot of decades past, and and we are really really willing to uh, just really buy into that nostalgia. It's in the movies we watch. Like you, I, I rewatch the same four movies every December. Uh, it's you know, I got to watch a Christmas Story. I got to watch Elf. I got to watch National Lampoon's yes. Christmas Vacation. Home Alone. I have to. Yes. Um, and I, yep. and and I wonder what that is. Like, what, do you think that is it our just our desire to share it with our kids, or or do you think there's something inside of us that that wants to go back to those feelings? Um, I just think it is sort of all of those sensory experiences mm-hmm. bundled to get bundled together, especially with the arts. I mean, there's, you know, people decorate, even if you don't put up a tree, cities tend to decorate mm-hmm. radio stations, play holiday music. And, um, whether you've ever darkened the door of a church, most people, are familiar, if nothing else, through the Charlie Brown Christmas special that angels appeared to shepherds yeah. and said, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all people. And peace on earth, goodwill toward men. I mean, good news for all people. So it's kind of like everybody's welcome to participate. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I just, I, I think I think every year, you know, um, it's that kind of dynamic combination of the world of merchandising needs Christmas, mm-hmm, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, for their the end of their fiscal year, 
but they, you know, that you talk about all of us being assaulted by beautiful commercials that remind us of the things that are important in life. Oh yeah. And will you buy the product? But even the way it's couched is celebrating um, relationship and love and togetherness. Mm. And so it's, you know, it's really the, um, I don't know, the, the possibility of wonder and hope, a sense of everyone belonging, everyone being welcomed. Um, that, that, you know, to me, that's sort of the threshold of the faith message. And then people just dive in as deeply as they have the interest. I, I, do you feel like, I mean, I feel like that's that's an embodiment of, of the history of your career in a lot of ways, too. And it, that may be why you have such a connection to the Christmas season. Um, because, like, you know, you started off you started off writing, who you're going to be touring with, by the way, writing a lot of uh, Christian songs with Michael W. Smith uh, 30 years ago. And you're back with him on this on this on your coming up tour um, before you and then you're going to do a residency with your husband uh, in, in Nashville, which is which we'll talk about in a minute. But. But the and you went through a, a period where you were writing pure pop songs, and then you re-released, uh, then you released a hymns album, uh, and I don't know exactly the order that that all came in, but but it's almost like you went with nostalgia for yourself in in your career arc that kind of mirrors the the warmth and nostalgia that you're talking about people feeling in the in the Christmas time. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, you know, I, I, it's, it's been such an amazing experience to get to make music for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, it never occurred to me when I started writing songs at 15, that this would not only pay the bills, but create such an amazing network of people Mm -hmm. around the world. Um, the celebrated and the marginalized. I mean, it has been, I feel like I've had a front row seat to being able to connect so many different worlds together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really been the wonder of it. And I do think that um, that had I not started with singing about faith, mm-hmm. I think if it had just been piano player, what's that note again? Me, me, me. <laughs> right, know, right, 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 right worn out my welcome just because we live in a culture on the same way. You just want something new. Right. You know, um, but I don't, you know, I, there was never any plan. Mm. I mean, music has been an absolute lifeline for me. And I've always felt that way that the gift was for me first to be able to survive life. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, other people kind of went, Oh my gosh, I'm trying to survive too. And I'm celebrating <laughs> and I'm, and I'm crying and, you know, yeah. but, um, but I went back and did a specifically old school hymns record in the wake of divorcing, remarrying and having a baby at 40. I just, um, honestly, I, I just had, had gotten so untethered from myself. I just felt like a stranger in my own life. And I've always loved hymns. And I just had to take it all the way back to my earliest music memories. And, and you know, once again, music is my lifeline. So right. um, anyway, it was fun. Vince produced that, he and Brown. 
and I would say, do you, um, you know that song? And I'd sing a couple of, nope, not ringing a bell, because he didn't grow up in church. (laughs) (laughs) But then that kind of gave us the beginnings of a shared history with some of the songs that, you know, were like the wallpaper of my childhood, so. Yeah. I I, I think that's, you touched on something kind of amazing there, right? Where, where. You talk about you'd be playing music whether whether people were were coming to watch you sing or not because um, it's just it's a part of you. But you got this you got this pop sensation fame, which you know to your point it burns hot and bright, but it burns fast. Um, and then mm-hmm. and then and, and and with that fame comes a, a level of scrutiny and a downside that had just kind of had really all come together uh, at a certain point in your life and and. Your way of dealing with it, I think, is kind of beautiful to go back to um, your roots that you feel really kept you tethered to the reason you got started in the music and helped you build, uh, build a, a, like you said, a, a shared history, a wallpaper on which to hang your life with your current husband, Vince Gill. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's that's kind of a beautiful, beautiful thing. Because everybody... I mean, Did I say it that well? <laughs> well, that's... I think very... you said it better than I said. <laughs> <laughs> my job is not to come up with good stuff it's to it's to uh paraphrase well <laughs> that's uh, i love that thanks um uh, but in but in in your like in your enduring fame i i you know there, there's there's been all these all these downsides but there's there's been a couple of bright spots and it's opened a few doors for you like we were talking before this um and you again you talked about how your music has helped people cry with you and has made you cry and and um, you've had some touches of, uh, people in your life with, with mental illness, but you've been able to open doors for them with that. And we were talking about something kind of interesting, uh, before we got started here. And I know it seems like a left turn, but, um, I, I, I was really fascinated by it. And this, it's the idea of acoustic mirroring and how you were able to get in touch mm-hmm. with that and, um, uh, and how that's, that's affected your life. But this is kind of like one of the real big upsides to fame. Yes. An upside is. Um, that um, people will take your call. (laughs) 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 That's an upside. And so, um, yeah, when you and I first spoke, I was actually uh, trying to put together a package to send to a veteran who had made a trip to our farm And I actually have a one room, I call it a shed, but it's actually a one room office where um, I conduct brain mirroring sessions. Um, And I'm part of a company called Saraset. And it's just think of the word reset and stick a CE on the front of it. So it's kind of a play on cerebellum and reset. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So Saraset. Anyway, I found, I discovered this technology 10 years ago. I had a family member living with us, and she was really on the end of a decade-long roller coaster ride that we had all been on um, because um, of her bipolarity and substance abuse and um, multiple suicide attempts, and she was living with us. Um and I love this woman. Um, and she's my niece and one of my dearest friends, but we were white knuckled. We were just holding on for dear life. Right. And somebody saw her in public 
uh, acting out, and they called me and said, there is a technology coming out of Scottsdale, Arizona, that's unlike anything else, and I think this would help your niece. Anyway, long and short of it is after three sessions, she was changed. Um, and we continued with that therapy. But um, And to show you how changed, so that was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. She, is a, she is just now celebrating 10 years of sobriety. Hmm. She went back to college, graduated. She is, at the, she is in her last semester of getting her master's to work with, with the mentally ill. She's married now. I've been married for seven years. Um, anyway, uh, so I am now a part of this company taking it to the underserved. Um, and unlike EMDR and a lot of things, a lot of different brain modalities that are uh, magnets that are imposing an influence on the brain, um, in order to deal with trauma, um, you know, you can put the, you can affect the brain. Um, putting it in a parasympathetic, like left dominant state mm-hmm. in order to access old memories. There are all kinds of things. It's, it's dangerous to the things that we, it, there's potential danger in everything with the brain. EM, right. EMDR does not, does not help all people. It can right. be. Um, but the inventor of this technology was actually, he was a researcher and a scientist. Mm-hmm. And like so many times, he had something happen in his personal life. Right. That made him turn his attention to this technology. Well, just and like just like your life, niece, just like mm-hmm. your niece, go, who now works in in the same in in with the mentally ill because she went through it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we're I think that's a, there's a big draw for people with that. So you're saying, so he, right? So he had, mm-hmm. get that moment. So so this, yeah. So this man was actually jumped by a teenage gang, and one of them had a baseball bat, and they oh, beat him in the head. Oh man! And after eight eight years of every healing modality. He kept saying, I'm not right. I'm not right. I'm not, my brain's not firing right. And every person said, it's in your head. And he said, hell yeah. It's in my head. <laughs> I, I know. That's what I'm saying. My head is not right. Yes. And so he, um, yeah, he just said, how can we impose anything on a nearly infinite system and affect any kind of permanent change? Um, and he said, what if we could provide a way for the brain to see itself? Would the brain heal itself? Mm. If the brain could detect its own imbalance. And when I first met this man years ago, he said, you, you dress yourself, put on your hair and makeup every day. I mean, do your hair and put on your makeup. And I said, yes. And he said, if you had to get ready for a fancy dinner in a dark closet, could you do it? And I said, I mean, I think. And he said, coming out of that closet, if you were shown a mirror, do you think you would make any changes? And I said, well, of course. You know, I'm sure my makeup would be a mess. My hair, how can you tell? You have to see it. Mm-hmm. And I would say, give me 10 minutes. And he said, the brain can do the same thing if the brain can see itself. And so, wow. yeah, it's really, and, and this has been um, not a highly publicized. We're just getting ready to really launch this onto the world stage. And so, and I'm, I'm part of the company now. I've been a believer for 10 years and, and my part of the company is Sarasat Gives. So, you know, a lot of people that can, that can afford therapy. Um, well, everybody, everybody needs all kinds of therapies, but this right. one, I, I, you know, I've, I've just had so many opportunities to work with 
um, high risk PTSD veterans through songwriting and right. and I love the fact that it's 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 tones. I mean, God, it's all in the same music family. Right, you know? right, right, right. So, yep. Well, you know, we we've we've done a lot of work um, as an organization with with music therapy with with veterans and with um, Alzheimer's patients and and the power that music has. And I think that you know it's something that you've tapped into both as an artist, but also now as a just as again, like I said, as as a person of influence who has been able to to open doors and get people, like you said, get people to take their phone call. Um, you got you start to really see the power that music has, and and you can't. And this also go, I think, goes back to the, the Christmas concept we were talking about before, where you can't imagine Christmas without the soundtrack of Christmas behind it. You know, it's not a, uh, it's not a, it's it's not a single sense. It's it's multiple sense. It's the smells. It's the specific foods that you have. The tastes. I mean, eggnog is terrible, but I love it for a couple of weeks a year. <laughs> Uh, can you imagine like, how spiked it is? Right. Wait, nobody's <laughs> drinking eggnog in June because it's it, you can't drink eggnog. You, it just can't. But we have these we have these like we have all of these things. And I think music is a part of that. And it's it, it's incredibly powerful in, in how it reorients the brain. But I think it's um, it's an often overlooked ele- sensory element when we're thinking about creating when you think about creating these mindscapes that that you're kind of talking about. And I think. Yeah. Um, why wouldn't why wouldn't there be a therapeutic element to it? You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. So so basically, this this system works by by playing tones that allow that that how does it allow your brain to see itself? So um, there are um, sensors mm-hmm. that all, that are placed on the different places on the head. And those sensors read the actual energy that's coming from the brain, mm, like an EEG way, like um, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. and it goes it goes through a proprietary algorithm that's very complicated, one almost two million lines of code. Wow! And then that go is played into headphones, hmm. and so it's not technically the music of the brain. But it's a, it's a, a tonal language that was developed by this brilliant man, so that the brain it would be like if you were walking toward a mirror that was a hundred yards away, but you didn't know it was a mirror, and you go closer and closer to it, and you went, I mean that person's walking just like me, and then you hold your right hand out, mm-hmm. and that right hand, and suddenly you go, that's me. So what happens is the brain is given a chance in real time to hear itself. And within about 90 seconds, it will relax. And as it relaxes, so so a person is sitting in a very comfortable chair, blanket over their lap, eyes closed. The brain should be in a balanced state. Mm -hmm. And if it's not balanced, it's because for whatever reason, stress, trauma, it is either firing, I mean, within each pair of lobes, it's either firing predominantly on the right or the left. And this, in a very relaxed, safe environment, allows the brain to go, oh, okay, there's no threat right now. So I, mm. I can tone that down. But it, it, it's what's so fascinating is that um, all, all I'm doing is with the sensors on someone's head, the proprietary algorithm and the earphones 
they are saying um, it, it still is up to that person's brain at what speed it will balance. Mm. It will. There's, there's not a brain that won't balance. Um, so I had a man that had deep trauma as a child and he suppressed it for so long. Um, but then about 10 years ago started having nightmares and eventually asked his siblings because his parents were dead. Is there anything that I cannot remember about my childhood? I have like recurring. And they said, do you not remember you were hospitalized? There was a court case. Wow. And he said, I, you know, but the brain has two jobs to keep us alive and normalize our experience. And, Mm -hmm. and it's not just our emotional experience. It's everything. It's our, how, how quickly we blink, our, our blood pressure, our heart rate, all those things. And so that man sat in my relaxed the back anti-gravity chair. (laughs) And I said, I don't know how long this will take, but let's give your brain a chance to hear itself because those threats are gone. They're not in the present. And um, he came four days in a row for four sessions, and each one taking about an hour and a half, two hours. And then wow. three weeks later, he had a follow-up, follow-up session. And it took until the three weeks for him to actually be able to sleep through the night. Um, but the nightmares disappeared after the first session. Wow. Never came back. Wow. Ten years of nightmares. I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, I'm both. So, I'm simultaneously yeah. unbelievably intrigued at the idea of doing this, and like, and and um, and f- like when you talk about that sense of calm of of the brain seeing itself and feeling mm-hmm. that 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 there are no threats. That sounds amazing. But at the same time, like. Uh, the idea of looking inward is always terrifying to me because I'm so afraid of what I'm going to see about myself in the process of self-discovery. So it is both interesting well, and also terrifying. Well, here's the thing. There is no inward looking. I mean, that man was having nightmares without the brain balancing. He was having nightmares because whatever workaround his brain had established from the time he was 10 that took so much energy, it started dismantling. I think that's what happens with veterans is, you know, someone comes back from a trauma situation or war or just being in the military, the, you know, having to be broken down as an individual to be recreated as a unit. Mm. That has an effect on people. And so that workaround that requires an extraordinary amount of energy might function well for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, but at some point it will dismantle. Yeah. And so, but here's what's beautiful. And that's one of the reasons I love doing this with veterans is because this isn't talk therapy. Mm -hmm. They can fall asleep in the chair. I just go, I'm going to put these sensors on. You're going to hear some tones. I'm going to step out so you can snore away. And it's because to live in the present, you don't have to revisit the past. And all we're trying to do is get the brain to live fully in the present, to not be affected by the trauma of the past. Wow. I mean, that's, I that sounds like, um, it sounds like the, uh, like a warm bath for my whole body at the end uh, for my brain, at the end of a, of a long day of, of work at like getting into a hot tub. You know, that same feeling, yeah, that just yeah. kind of warmth and comfort. But uh, mm-hmm. I feel like 
there's you know I, you know here's here's an interesting analogy so when you get into the hot tub if your body's really cold you know that sting that you first feel and some mm-hmm. and sometimes like uh my kids they'll they'll if they're cold they'll start to get in the hot tub and then that sting will happen and they'll run away from it they won't want to get in because it hurt right. at first yeah. and and so they're unwilling to like warm themselves up um and, and there's a bit of irony to that and i feel like that's that's something that we do with our mental health all the time like we don't we don't want we we at the first initial feeling of discomfort even though there's something warmer waiting for us we we kind of push away from it and we create these defense right. mechanisms that keep us from a uh, from that feeling i'll put a link to to check out the uh to check that 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 project out in in the show notes so people can can see the kind of work that that you've been doing and and the kind of work that this doctor is doing out at of Scottsdale for those of you that are interested in that um, I know that seemed like a left turn, but I, but we were talking about it and I was, I was so ex- interested in it and so excited to figure out exactly what it was and how it worked. Um, you are, uh, you are going on, a, you're doing a number of dates again with Michael W. Smith, whom you've known for, for 30 years. Have you guys collaborated the entire time or is this, is this a coming back together? This is a coming back together. I mean, we've been friends this whole time, but five years ago, Michael, maybe it was four years ago. He said, hey, you want to do two or three Christmas shows? And it had been at least uh, 15 years since we'd done a Christmas show together. I said, really? And he said, yeah, let's go on the road. Let's do it. And we just did two or three. And they were so much fun. And uh, and the next year we did a tour. Um, So we... Yeah, and, and sometimes the tours have been longer, sometimes they've been shorter, but, you know, just the fact that that, that window of opportunity came, that promoters were interested, that people mm-hmm. came to the shows, it was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I can't wear my old dresses, but give me a minute, I'll find something. <laughs> do yeah. you, how, how do you manage that? How do you manage uh, going back out on tour now? Is I feel like there's... You have a, a marriage and you have people, you have, you have children that all kind of rely on you and are a part of your network of people right now. How does going on the road, uh, how are you able to go on the road and manage all that? Well, I'd like to think my children rely on me. They have all so successfully launched. So <laughs> our, um, our youngest left for college in September. And um, so, I mean, we're of close family and a vibrant family but you know honestly I was just so glad that I have toured I've I've at least kept not my toe in the water at least a whole foot up to my calf I mean I've never quit touring Mm -hmm. but I'm just so grateful um to to be able to put more time and energy into this because Mm -hmm. nothing lasts forever you know but um but it's just, it's been a blast. So to me, it's like we're getting the, the set list together. And, and as a woman, I'm going, it needs to be so important that this needs, uh, every woman should sit down and feel like this is the moment I have waited for. I can only speak from a woman's standpoint and a wife and a mother, but you know, who holidays are like, you spend four hours on the, the meal whose picture looked incredible on Pinterest and everybody eats in, in less than 12 minutes and they're gone. Mm-hmm. And so it's <laughs> like, Oh my God. Um, but trying to figure out 
a time for people to come together. And so I look at a holiday show and go, okay, we need to laugh. We need to have moments of stillness. Right. We need to feel, you know, there needs to be soaring, a tear or two, nostalgia, hope, all those things. Mm. To me, it's just, um, it's such an important time of year because everybody's intentionally looking for a moment of together, togetherness. Right. So... That's, you know, that, um, I feel like that's something I missed as a kid. Like, as a teenager, I would almost resent my, uh, the, uh, sorry, mom, but I would almost resent my mother's, you know, the importance that she'd place on every moment and like, no, I want to go out with my friends tonight or I want to go do X, Y, or Z. I want to see this movie. And, for, and, and she would have these big things planned with family coming together and stuff. And I would, I would, I would almost kind of drag my feet and, when I was going to it. And and always wonder like why are you putting in all of this effort when we could just be sitting around and doing nothing? You don't need to make that meal. We could, you know, sorry, but we could order a pizza and it would be just as good. But now yeah. that I'm now that I'm older and I look back on it, you know it, what? It, it wasn't about. It, it was about making the moment significant and making it something that that really uh, that was precious. And and her way of making it precious was to put in additional effort. And her way of making it right. precious was to. You know, pizza is great. Don't get me wrong; love pizza, but it's not precious. And and that desire for for bringing the warmth that she felt as a kid and for giving us those same memories was, I think. Uh, I mean, I think that's what you're saying. Like that, that's ultimately the reason behind this: the the importance and the, yes. and the preciousness. Yeah. Well, here's what's. But and we're all. You know, what really matters to us? Like, I love to cook. I cook mm-hmm. for a lot of big holidays, mm-hmm. not for Christmas. We do not have Christmas dinner for it's eggs and bacon and all the accoutrements Christmas morning. At, but it's because I just, I don't, at that time of year, I don't have the energy <laughs> to, right. to do a big spread like that. And I just think I want to sit around, light a candle, put on some music. You know, let's just, let's get one of those, um, you know, either a deck of cards and play a card game or but let's just be here together. And right. I'm, I'm so glad my you know, kids are old enough now that they're returning home. And it is, it is, it is beautiful. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, every family's a big, beautiful mess. Mm-hmm. What I was going to say is, so this year, um, you know, I'm always, I'll, I'll look at all the recorded music I have, especially if it has a great orchestral arrangement. And, but then I think, <gasps> Oh my gosh, I recorded that song when I was 22 years old. Okay, oh dear God, can I hit those notes? Do we have to <laughs> do we have to rewrite the score right, right. for 70 musicians in a different key? And so that's really the only like when my heart's racing I go, can I hit that note? I don't know. I mean, you know, it would be like going on spring break and somebody says, "Yeah, here's your high school bikini, just throw that in the bag <laughs> along with your grandkids' toys." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the bikini I wore in high school, and nobody wants to see me wear anymore. So, um, yeah. You also, in addition to in addition to these these dates with with Michael, you get kind of the best of both worlds. You get two weeks in your hometown doing concerts with your husband. Uh, which uh, are you are you rewriting everything for that, or is that too much family time, or is that is that how you're going to celebrate Christmas this year? That is how we have celebrated Christmas many years. And it's fantastic. I mean, the Ryman Auditorium is magical already. And the first Christmas show that Vince and Michael and I did 
was in 1993. Wow. And off and on since then, I think I've only missed, uh, I've been the one constant player in those, but I, I, I don't think I've missed more than maybe two or three years. Um, and playing at different places, sometimes the Skirmerhorn Symphony Center, uh, sometimes Bridgestone Arena. But a few years ago, um, Sally Williams, who was in charge of the Ryman at the time, said, okay, we're not the biggest auditorium, but what would it be like to, to do a whole, you know, start with six shows. Every year she added a few more, and this will be our, this will be our second year of doing we call it the 12 days of Christmas It's 12 shows. Um, and it's just, it's been so great. I mean, sometimes there are four generations alive in a family that come, I can think of a family right now and four generations. And, um, and it's so many nights, you know, if somebody really wants to come, there's going to be a ticket available on a night when they're in town. Right. Um, and Nashville's a fun destination. It so, is. It's a great, great yeah, town. We're, we're helping, we're helping tourism a little bit by setting up at the Ryman and staying put. Yeah, and the the Predators play. Yeah, you know, they got the Nashville Predators and uh, and mm-hmm. the the Titans are out of Nashville, so that's that's great. Lots of stuff yeah. to do in, in December in in Nashville. You guys should all hang out there. Oh yeah. Well, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to uh, to your website where you can buy tickets to both the Christmas tour with Michael W. Smith as well as the uh, Christmas at the Ryman residency that you and your husband, Vince Gill, are going to be doing this year uh, so they can they can all buy into that nostalgia. Uh, people get excited about this 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 vinyl collection that's coming out. I know I'm going to be getting it because I, uh, I have a vinyl collection and, and it, no, no record collection is complete without, without the Amy Grant Christmas albums and if you're going to do it on vinyl, now is the time. So all kinds of other special stuff in that box set, correct? Like uh, it's handwritten song lyrics and things like that? Is that am, I, am I correct in that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very yes. exciting. And then, and a, and, a, and a single, but has two sides. I, I think that were maybe, um, yeah, they're like deep tracks from something that's unavailable. Oh wow! So exclusive tracks. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, um, Amy. Before I let you go, what? Uh, where can people follow up with you uh, if they want to? If they want to get in touch with you after this. I do have a website which I have never visited. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell people that. You can't say that. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I, mm-hmm, yeah, didn't <laughs> say that, but, um, it's, uh, amygrant.com. And, uh, you have, you have social media, correct? You're, you're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Someone is on my behalf. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you, I am married to a man who has never sent a text message. Is that right? Yes. How does, how yes. does your marriage survive that? That's incredible. We talk. Oh man, that yeah. seems that's like a lot of work. That's a, that seems like but, too much. I'm going to tell you, sometimes it's faster. <laughs> I mean, I text and email, but and we'll be in the car and I'm taking care of business and he said, "I promise you, if you will call them, you can take care of this in 15 seconds." And is he right? And yeah. Ugh. Well, I can't, yeah. I, there and, must be something to yeah. this because you just admitted that your husband was right. So if that's the case, then it must be. Uh, it must be true. There must be some magic. Well, to it. One, well, you, I mean, somebody's got to have their face in a screen, or otherwise, you don't know when the parent-teacher conferences are. Or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I yeah. mean, the world 
communicates with screens, but I think it's so important to, I have found that sometimes all things technology are like the screaming toddler. Right. And I didn't do well with a screaming toddler when I was a mom and I've had a lot of kids. Yeah. So you go, everything has its place, but it, it just can't be constant. Yeah, I think that's I think that's that's good wisdom. I mean, that, that's words to live by. We, I think we're all addicted to it, and um, like you said, the screaming toddler thing, where it's just always shouting for your attention, uh, and and we 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 treat it like it's a child that we have to give it attention to, but the reality is we don't. We 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 make that choice every day to do that. So, uh, kudos to you. Well, kudos to your husband specifically for finding a way to get out of that. <laughs> Um, but it's yeah. also nice to have you to have to look up when the parent teacher conference is that he doesn't have to. Thank you. Uh, but I'll put it regardless of the fact that you don't touch it very often links to your website and your social media accounts will be in the show notes. One last thing, Amy, and I ask it to everybody that comes on the show. What is one thing that we can all start doing today to make our lives a whole lot better? Oh my goodness. Well, I think I already said it. That takes some time. I would say this. Every day, take a five-minute vacation every day Mm. and go outside. Mm. Go outside wherever you are and let the wind hit your face. Look at the starlight. Let the, feel the sun on your skin or the rain. Um, But it takes five minutes. And it really is beautiful. It is. I, I, I think that is great advice, and it's advice I'm going to take. Uh, Amy Grant, the Amy Grant, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, dear. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Our show is written and produced by me, Gib Gerard, and produced by Chrissy Wallen. We really appreciate you guys listening. If you like Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast, please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. It makes a big difference. Also, if you take this show, if you like it, or any of our episodes, share that episode with somebody that you think would like it too. It really helps us out in the long run. The more people that listen to the show, the more we get to keep doing this and the more interesting guests we get to bring you guys. Um, anyway, if you'd like to follow up with us, Facebook.com. Slash John Tesh is where we spend most of our time. We go live, do all kinds of stuff there. Uh, John is also on Twitter at John Tesh, on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard. You can find me at Facebook.com slash Gib Gerard, at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. I try to respond to every message, every DM, every every mention that talks about the show because, again, we do this show for you guys. We can't do it without you, which is uh, because you guys, well, I guess we could, but would be the point. So ultimately, thank you guys so much for listening.